Good morning. As Pastor Brian mentioned, we're in the middle of a series called Tangible Kingdom. But I can tell you what's nice is, is that even though this is kind of the fifth uh, week that we're in this series, each of the messages are kind of self-contained. So if you weren't here for week four or week one or whatever, I'll, I'll do a little bit of recap of that. But today is, is kind of on its own. And you'll be able to kind of start from the beginning and track along. So as some of you know, I used to travel regularly for my job by plane. Every few weeks, I would take a six-hour flight from Philadelphia to Silicon Valley and back. After a period of time of flying many times, what you do is you get something called status, and then you can pick your seat. And in my case, uh, now obviously I didn't get to go first class, this was more economy, but the type of plane I would fly would typically be the same plane, it's called an Airbus 321. On Airbus 321, the seat that I would choose most often, more than any other, was called seat 10A. Any idea where seat 10A may be? Exit row. Exit row. That's right. Exit row. And where? Where else on the exit row? Window. Window. Okay. So there's my seat right there. This is before I would sit down in it week over week. And then they, I enjoyed the extra leg room that exit row offered me. I also enjoyed taking pictures from the window seat during my flights. This is an example of one of the pictures I would take time after time after time from that view. Because what happens is sometimes you just need a perspective on things that you kind of come up and above. And that's what my hope is today, is we can kind of rise above our lives and just take a look, see what's going on. However, it's not just the status that one needs to get an exit row seat. One also has to be, as the airlines call you, ready, willing, and able to do the responsibilities that accompany that exit row seat. You see, when there would be an emergency, you have to be ready, willing, and able to open that. Can you go back two slides real quick? Yeah, but no, one more slide, thanks. You actually, there's a door there, okay, a big door. And you have to be able to open up that door. It's maybe 50, 60 pounds in the event that there's an emergency to allow others to safely exit the plane. How many of you ever booked an exit row seat? Okay, online, remember, they ask you a question, right? Like, are you willing that you have to say, yes, I am, right? And then what happens is when you book that exit row seat, when you go to check, like when you go in and you scan your thing, they ask you again. In fact, they do a double scan. Like they ask you, are you ready? You scan, they say yes, and they scan you again. Then on top of all that, you go to the next slide. What happens is when you sit down, you're buckled up, you're ready to go. This person comes over, he or she asks you these questions again. And you have to, they will ask you verbally, I need a yes from you. Are you ready, willing, and able to do this in an emergency? You have to say yes. And they go, yes, 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 yes. And they have to get it from everybody. Before, otherwise, you have to remove yourself from that seat. So why are we talking about an exit row seat okay, this morning? Because the idea here is of being ready, willing, and able is what we're going to experience a bit in our journey here today. We learned in our previous weeks how we've been given this great gift in the gospel. Together with this great gift comes also a great responsibility. And it's that responsibility that we have to share that gift with others. Not just in the event of an emergency, okay? But as we live out our daily lives. And so this week, it's actually called living out. So we're going to look at today, what does it mean to live out? And what does it mean to, to how we apply this to our everyday lives? Now, in the Tangible Kingdom Primer, there's a definition of living out that says this is the week where all we've been learning to date meets the real world. And this is how you can sometimes feel, like, oh my goodness, I'm in the exit row seat, okay? And I did have one situation where I was flying, and unfortunately, I had to do an emergency landing, and I was very nervous, okay? So this is not the morning to be nervous, okay? This is the morning to be encouraged, okay? So let's look back. Just, I mentioned we're in the middle of the series. So what got us here so far? So in week one, we learned what is missional. 
And we saw that our God is a missional God and how missional means we are sent. We get to go somewhere. It's go on a plane, get on a, go on a journey with God. We thought about where God might be sending us and we're encouraged to go. In week two, we learned what is incarnational. We saw that incarnational is how we go. We thought about how we might be Jesus to those people in our lives. Week three, we learned what's the gospel. We saw that this gospel is about Jesus and his kingdom breakthrough. We thought about having a story to share, and we were encouraged to go and share that story with others, and that's good news. And then last week, Pastor Brian helped us learn what is community. Anybody remember those three ingredients of community? One of them, anybody? Loving deeply, offering hospitality, and then what? Serving, which is our church, you know, kind of one of the things that we do in our church is we say, how can we serve you and how can you serve others, right? We were encouraged to go and practice some hospitality this week. So hopefully some people were the benefactors of your hospitality. And now we're here in week five where we learn what it means to live all this out. We're going to see how all these things we've learned so far kind of come together. Now, living out in the tangible kingdom is defined as the natural and deliberate process of living among. Okay, that's one thing to take in for a second. Second one is living out is letting the mission of God dictate the purpose and schedule of our lives. All right, let's pause there. How many of you have a calendar app on your phone? Yes? Okay. So do you kind of check in with God on Sunday to see how the week's going to go and what do you, how you want to arrange your appointments? Okay, we'll come back to that in a little bit. And the last one, now we're going to get very serious. Now we're going to examine our ambitions, our faith, our fear, and our frailty. Whoa. It's one thing to look at my calendar. It's another thing to look at my heart. And that's our heart's desire today is that God would allow our hearts to be seen by him and be encouraged in that way, not to feel threatened He's not some big brother up there who's angry at us. He wants to encourage us in this journey. So knowing what the description of this living out means, okay, what keeps us from living out our faith? What keeps us from living out this gospel as we walk through our lives? I think one of the things we see is that we have this sense that we just don't measure up. We have our own ideas that we bring into our Christian experience, but we just don't feel like we measure up. And we bring stuff into this journey that's more than what God ever intended us to have. So let's just look at a couple examples. There's a great guy that we're going to look at in the Old Testament. His name is Moses. Uh, Moses often felt this way. We're going to look at a couple ways he felt that way and how we may feel that way as well. So the first one, we oftentimes feel that this living out our faith really relies on us, right? We see this in the story of Moses. It's found in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, where Moses is calling God to live out and share the message And Moses says what? He says, who am I that you should send me? Who am I? And that's how we feel sometimes. Moses felt like it was more on him rather than on God who was sending him. So have any of you ever felt that way? I feel that way sometimes. Let me tell you a fun little story, though. So we'll put up these slides. So there's Phyllis and I had the opportunity to live in a very large city at the time. It was probably over 10 million people called Istanbul, Turkey. And every day um, in Istanbul, what's nice is that we lived near a corner market, and that corner market delivered fresh hot bread two or three times a day. You just, you can just smell it right now. Those of you who are getting close to lunch, I know I'm stirring that up for you. But anyway, what we did is, is that eventually our oldest son, who was living there with us at the time, um, got to the age where we felt like, and our house was probably about uh, maybe from here to the corner, 
or maybe down to the, the, the tennis courts here from the, from the corner market. And we began to send him with some money to go get bread. I don't remember exactly how old he was. And that was his task, right? And so what do you think we did when we sent him down there? Do we just think that we closed the door and like, okay, hope he makes it. So what did we do as parents, right? So we kind of snuck along just far enough behind him to make sure that he was going to be okay. Not only that, but I talked to the market owner ahead of time, say he's coming, okay? Make sure he picks the right bread and make sure he gives you the right money, gets the right change and comes back right? And he brings it. And how does he feel? He just feels like, oh my goodness, this is wonderful, right? But he felt that whole thing relied on him. He had no idea behind the scenes what was going on with Phyllis and I making sure that he was going to be, I wouldn't call it successful, but that he was going to be able to do the things that we wanted him to do, to live out this opportunity he has with the money and his ability to walk there. In fact, Phyllis will tell you offline, catch her up sometime about this time where he ran into a dog and he didn't know what to do. So, uh, that's another fun story. But anyway, what happens is, is that you can just think of ourselves now. Put yourself in that story. You feel like, okay, God has reached me with his gospel and his good news. He's asked me to go to the corner market. I'm all alone. I can't do this. It relies on me. And that's not the case. That's just one of the things we believe. And like Moses, many times we think that to live out our faith has to be in our own power. We attempt to play a larger role than God ever intended us to have. We forget that it is God who desires his gospel to be known. And he's the one who wants people to have this restored right relationship with him. Now, the first time we may think Moses, just like Moses, we think it relies on us. Next, sometimes we think that we have to be super equipped to do this. Like we need all kinds of special training and equipment and understanding. And when we feel that way, it makes us feel unqualified to talk to people or to engage in their lives because we don't know what's going to happen. What if this happens? And sometimes maybe we even feel underqualified. Maybe we know a little bit, but we think we just need to know a lot more. So how many of you, we'll put this, go to the beach and have seen this person, okay? This person, in fact, usually I've even seen one that are bigger, okay? They have this, what's called the beach buggy, okay? And the person has on their, their car, on their cart, they have their chairs, their beach chairs, their beach umbrellas, their beach towels. They usually have a cooler. They have shovels, pails, boogie boards, paddle boards, suntan lotion, enough food to actually fill up a food truck, right? Have you ever encountered these people? Okay, okay. That is not me. So when I see these people on the beach, I just, I just feel like I, I'm not ready for the beach. Like, I... <laughs> I don't belong on the beach. I'm not worthy of being a beach person compared to these people. You know what I'm saying? That, when you, so this is how sometimes we feel. We feel like, you know, if I don't have my God beach buggy, and I have every bit of, or, and I understand Old Testament history and New Testament co- uh, co- uh, maps, and I don't understand what the, this incarnational thing that Brian talked about the other week, I barely even understand the gospel. I can't go out on the beach. I'm not ready. And that's how we feel. We feel either underqualified or unqualified. That's what Moses did, right? He said, uh, I, I, I can't talk. Yet he'd been, you know, leading a family, and he'd been actually schooled in some of the best schools in Egypt. But that's how Moses felt at that time. He felt underqualified or unqualified to live out this faith and share the message God had for him. So a question, and it'll be first rhetorical, and I may solicit an answer. What is the only qualification that God puts on us to live out the gospel in our lives? So think about it for a second. It's rhetorical to start, okay? I'm going to answer it. It's that we have a right relationship with him. 
that we know him and he knows us. That's it. Like Brian said in week three, that we, we have a story to tell. It's all we need. And during this process of the candle kingdom, we all had an opportunity in our groups to come together and to tell our story. That's all you need to live this out. That's all I need to live this out. I don't need a beach buggy full of every. Now, it's good to be equipped. It's good to be, know God's word well. It's good to learn. But to begin to live this out and continue to live this out, there's not some sort of threshold of knowledge or understanding that we need to gain. There's not some sort of experiences or depth in our relationship with Christ we need to have. We all have the opportunity to live it out from the moment we enter into that relationship with him. Now, some of you here today may not even know what this relationship is or never really experienced that. And in week three, we talked about this right relationship, this relationship that has because of what Jesus has done for us. And there's a verse I want to share right now. It says in Romans, two verses, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, as with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So this is the gospel. So how do we enter in that relationship with Jesus and with God? It's all because we believe and accept by faith what Jesus has done on the cross for us and he's been raised. Then we're part of God's family. We have a story to tell. Then we can live out what God wants us to do. That's the only prerequisite we have. If you've never done so today, that's our hope and prayer, is that if God brought you here today, that you would hear that message and respond. So we looked at Moses, and Moses at times, he thought it relied on him, and we feel that way. We looked at Moses, and he felt that he was underqualified or not qualified at all. And lastly, this is probably the one that strikes most of us. I mean, the first two as well, but this one is this this sense of insecurity. How many of us are very concerned about what other people think about us? Yeah. This insecurity is where we begin to tell ourselves things that are, not, that are not true at all or maybe just partially true. We begin to make excuses in our heads about this situation, and we begin to tell ourselves these things. So I just want us to pause and think, what are those excuses that we often tell God? So I just have a couple that I want to mention, at least that have come in my journey of what I've told God at times. So I said, God, I have to tell you something. It's not really the right time, okay? The gospel is just, they're not in that place of their life where they're interested in hearing anything about my story or about you. Second thing I often tell people, tell God, is, God, I, I got to tell you, it's just not the right place. This is the workplace. This is my school. It's just not a place where, where I, I talk about you at all. Next, it's like, God, I don't really have the right words. I don't understand this person so well. I have a different background, different understanding. I don't even know how I would talk to this person about you. And then lastly, well, God, this isn't, this isn't really the right way. I, I just want to, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I'll just use my phone, God, instead, and, use, and I'll let them watch some sort of podcast. I don't want it to be me. I want it to be somebody else, right? And what happens is, is that we allow these excuses, really, where do they come from? They come from our insecurities. We're nervous. We're anxious. We don't, again. So what I want you to do is just think for a moment, okay, how do these insecurities get into our heart, okay? So I have an analogy I wanted you to think about for a second. How many of you have ever had your foot fall asleep? Okay? So I, I've had this happen, and so when I was a boy, my parents told me 
right? That the reason that happens is your foot doesn't get what? Blood, right? It's not true, okay? Not true at all, unfortunately. Again, there's a little, you know, you know, facts check. So what happens is, is that when we sit on our foot, we temporarily compress or squash the nerves in that area. These nerves can't send messages back to our brains. And for the moment, the connection is cut off so we don't feel anything. It's kind of like a phone call when when your friend hangs up and you haven't hung up yet. Okay? Our brain is saying, hello, hello, but our foot is not answering. And so that's what's happening when your foot falls asleep. In the same way, that's what happens with our insecurities. They take over our heart, and we're no longer able to feel for people or get the messages that God is sending us that are true about ourselves and about his gospel. So what happens is it's just, just like after we stand up or uncross our legs, when the nerves are no longer compressed, the feeling in our foot comes back. So that's my heart is today, my heart's desires today, is that these insecurities that have kind of numbed our heart a bit, that our heart has fallen asleep, that it would wake up as we can look at a few things in God's word going forward here about what's true and what's real, and that we would get the messages from him. So as we're overtaken by our insecurities, we often understand that Jesus calls us what? What does Jesus call us to be? We learned this earlier. Fishers of men, right? But in the end, I have to be honest, I prefer somebody else do the fishing. Okay? So that's really what happens is, is that my desire. So recently, for example, I took my daughters to their homecoming weekend at the university, and they had a fishing tournament as one of the activities. So how many people have gone fishing? Okay. Any, any fishermen here? Okay. So I, I had no excuse to be not fish here. They actually provided rods, reels, bobbers, weights, and even bait. What is the one thing they didn't do for me with that bait? Put it on, yeah. So I had to grab the worm and the dirt and put it on. So at the end of the day, you know, I, I like to watch people fish. You know what I'm saying? I think that's very interesting to me rather than fish myself. And so I like to watch other people catch fish. I think it's interesting, but fishing's just not for me. And why is it? It's because I believe some of these other th- some of these lies. I, I don't, it's not worth it, right? It's not worth it for me to get all messy and then to throw it and get the line hooked and all this stuff. It's just not worth it in the end. So these lies that we sometimes believe, this sense that we really want somebody else to do it instead of ourselves, these are the things that today I want us to understand, well, why have we have these challenges in our lives? And the premise that I have is, is that we just don't understand the treasure that we have. There's a treasure that we've been given, and it's so precious to us, and as we understand that, we want that for other people. So Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. He says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, and give us this light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay that is this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So here, this, this word that Paul uses for treasure, ironically, is the same word that Jesus used in a story that he told in Matthew 13, verse 44. And he said, the kingdom of God is like what? A treasure. A treasure hidden in a field. When a man bought it, he hid it again. And then in his what? Joy. 
went and sold all he had and bought that field. Jesus talks about the gospel as being our treasure. And when we discover it, and when God reaches into our heart and changes us and transforms us, that it's worth everything. And if something is that special to us and so wonderful to us, then that's what we want to do is we want to be able to share it with others. This man had great joy. And Jesus said it was so valuable and he was willing to give up everything he had to have it. And our question today is just how much do we treasure the gospel? How much do we value it in our lives? What is so amazing is that God would choose us to be the ones to live out this gospel. In this passage, we're called jars of clay, indicating that this jar, in fact, let me go back to that slide. Uh, I had it a little bit earlier with the jar price. Yeah. Now, these jars, what's great about them is is that um, they're not very valuable on their own. What makes that jar valuable? The treasure that's inside it. So again, it doesn't come back to us. So what's neat is, is that God has given us as imperfect people, these jars, the opportunity to share, show, and invite people into this kingdom life. We who are the vessels of this treasure are knownly frail, imperfect, and of course sinful. When our imperfections are considered, when our frequent errors are remembered, and we realize how far we are from God's standards, we have to be amazed that God would use us at all. It shows us again that it's the power of God that transforms people, transforms the heart. Not our eloquent words, not the way we've loved somebody. It's God's love, which is really like a tidal wave that overwhelms them. If you think back to your own story, it's not so much that somebody shared it in a way that it finally clicked for you, but that you experienced God's love in such an intense way that you understood that you were deeply loved and all he did for you. So it's normal to feel this tension at times to try to live this out. Living on mission can be challenging. It's not always immediately clear what we're supposed to do. But Francis Chan put it this way. I really appreciate it. This is the tension we live in as followers of Jesus. We're thrilled to know Jesus and to be saved from God's wrath, yet we're burdened for the loved ones, for our loved ones who don't know him. So it just brings us back to where we're at with our, with our lives right now. I don't know if you recognize this picture, Ryan, but uh, these are some people that God brought into your life to move you guys here. So these are people God first brought in, and then since as a result of that, your neighbors saw that, and each of you helped out, and you might have asked, well, why were you, what were you doing this Saturday? Well, I'm helping our new pastor move in. And then, so I just want us now to just pause for a second and think, and we've had an opportunity over the course of this Tangible Kingdom Primer so far, it's just who are those people that God is making you aware of in your life? in your natural circles. Those people where we say where you work at, where you live, where you play. What are the responsibilities that you're thinking about that God may have for you to be in their lives? What would we miss out on if we decide to give up our responsibility? So I, I want to tell you a fun story. Um, this is a story of Matt Winfelder. Um, God brought Matt into our lives through a shared relationship with Desiree and also with Jody. Uh, Matt grew up as their neighbor, and we met him, and he began to come out to our church, and Phyllis began, and I began to invite him over our house for a meal, and that's how it all started, just like we talked about in the Tangible Kingdom. We offered him hospitality. Uh, he really enjoyed Phyllis's home-cooked meals. He was a single guy, uh, recently come out of a broken relationship, and um, was very far from the Lord at that time. One meal turned out to be another meal, eventually turned into weekly meals. 
Matt was over our house once a week for many, many years. And eventually over that time, we got to share our lives with him. And he came to faith and he got baptized here at our church. And then over time, he became, began to use his gifts. And then he eventually uh, had an opportunity. We had him be able to meet this fine young lady, Sue, who walked with the Lord. And now they have a daughter, Brooklyn. Um, and they moved up to Quakertown uh, several years back. But if I look back, you know, the time where we invited Matt to come to our home, um, we had, I don't know, we have three, four, how many kids? Four kids. You know, you ever, and inviting a single guy over to a house with four young kids, with food that gets dropped on there, and people talking all over, you could just see he walked in, it was just chaos for him. And uh, thank goodness for Phyllis's good cooking. But it took for us a willingness to open up our lives. Open up. And even then, when he came, when we began to talk about the gospel, you could just tell that there was nothing. He didn't understand a thing. And um, so that wasn't something we necessarily had to talk about every time he came over for dinner, but we just began to be in his life. So I just want to encourage you that had we not invited Matt over for that meal, I'm sure God would have drawn him to another couple or another family and used them in, in the process of Matt coming to be part of God's family. But we had that opportunity. And so this doesn't depend on us to see people's lives transformed. God just allows us to be part of the process. One of the examples I use, I don't, I don't have a slide for it. I've, I've shown this slide in the past. So um, many of us uh, have yards and we mow our yards. And we actually, several of us have young, young boys or young kids. And they always want to try to help, particularly when they're younger, they want to help out, right? They want to help mow the yard. You're like, oh my goodness, you're not ready for that yet. <laughs> but what we do, those of us uh, have an epiphany, you get them the plastic lawnmower. So I don't know if you've ever seen the plastic lawnmowers. And then, so you're out mowing the yard and either to your side or somewhere, this little kid going along with the plastic lawnmower, right? And then, and then when you're done, you both come inside and you're like, yeah, I helped daddy mow the yard. And that's what they think and that's what they feel. But the reality is, is that, you know, you did the, you did the work. You did the, the work to be able to transform that yard into something that is well-groomed. But they were along for the... And that's how it is through this process. God allows us to come alongside with our plastic lawnmower and mow the yard in people's lives. He's the one who's going to do the work, but we get to be part of the process and feel like we, we did something. So the question we ask as part of our tangible kingdom on this next slide is, how has our faith developed as we have allowed the mission of God to shape our relationships with others. So over the course of these four or five weeks during this Tangible Kingdom Primer, how is God growing our faith that we want to develop and shape the way that we relate to others? There's a picture of me with some people with whom I work. Interesting question. Uh, those of you who have jobs, okay, at different places, how many of you take pictures at work with the people that you work with? Not very often, right? Maybe. I mean, it's a, maybe a retirement party or a Christmas party. But just as part of what we do, it's just not really in the workplace a common thing to do. Um, and, and likewise, it was with me. This was actually my uh, last day of work at this company. And so we took some picture together. And there's Dong and Akash and Sai and Seamus and Alexander and myself. And these are people that I've worked with over the past five years uh, before I recently changed jobs. And so... You know, as I moved on from this company, I've had an opportunity to stay connected with them, but it's been through a lot of intentionality. 
That's what I want to encourage us with here today is, is that God brings these people in our lives for different seasons. Now, the reality is I'm not going to stay five years from now, if you ask me. I'm probably not going to stay connected with Dong and Seamus and Sai and Alexander and Akash. But there may be one or two of those people that God does weave my, my journeys together with them. And we stay connected and we see where things go. Um, none of them have become part of God's family. None of them have really had much opportunity, a few opportunities to speak about the gospel. But I've journeyed with them not just through a work experience, but now in their lives as well. I know about Dong and how his mother is ill right now, and Akash and how his son has special needs, and Sai, how he's struggling with his two kids to, to be able to connect and find time with them, and Seamus, who's single and uh, wonders if God ever has a person in his life, and then Alexander, um, we've journeyed the, probably the closest together. So it's these people's stories. So God brings our stories together with other people's stories, where you work, where you live, where you play, so during these weeks in our tangible kingdom together, we've been emphasizing this spending time with people um, who are far from God and living out our lives with them. And I just want to encourage us in this area. And this week, we want to think about this deliberate process of you know, our living among, listening to, and loving people where we work, where we live, and where we play. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, let's go back to that exit row seating, Right? The reality of the exit row is, sadly, there are some people who have smiled and nodded yes to the flight attendant when asked if they were ready, willing, and able to do it, even though they know full well that they couldn't even lift the door. They were interested in that extra legroom, and that's it. They enjoyed welcoming the relief from the ridiculously tight seat pitch that most coach customers have these days. But really, at the end of the day, it was really just about them and what they got out of it. As we look at our own readiness and willingness and ability to live out the gospel to those people God brought in our lives, are we ready to do those things, not just in the event of emergency, but every day? Maybe we encourage that this treasure that we have and see how special it is be the motivation that does it. Now, with this exit row, if someone is not ready, willing, or able to do the job, not only could they get themselves trampled or seriously hurt by other passengers trying to get out in the event of an emergency, but they're actually putting other people's lives in jeopardy. And that's what I want to encourage us with it then. I'm just so thankful that God and his work in people's lives does not depend on us. But that we get to get out of our little plastic lawnmower. Or we get to be in people's lives. And we do sometimes get to open the door and see the light of where they go. Maybe be, may we today be ready, willing, and able to be used by God for his purposes in their lives. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the way that you've worked in my life and the treasure that you've given me. Lord, help me to see how valuable it is. Remind me again of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that we have to be able to live this out in all the people that you put in our lives, in our neighborhood, where we work, where we go to school. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom and courage and authenticity in the way that we live that out. Help us to be ready, willing, and able to do that with your power in your name. Amen.